Well, Brian Harson is out at Auburn. Yeah, that uh, that could have some ramifications in the Pac-12. Let's go. Our Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, welcome everybody to another episode of Lockdown Pack 12. I'm your host Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Conference of Champions. Like, comment, subscribe, please, and thank you if you haven't already. Wherever you're listening to or watching this show, Spencer, why did you start today's show mentioning Brian Harson? What is happening there? What's going through your mind? I will tell you what the wonderful world of the college football coaching carousel. Yeah, it's it's this really, really fun thing where coaches get fired, you know, basically all the time. And if they don't win within the first two or three years, then uh, schools pay these obscene amounts of money. I mean, let me tell you something. Brian Harson is owed $15 million. I, too, would like to get fired for $15 million. It did happen the day before his birthday. Today's his birthday, so happy birthday, Brian Harson. I'm sorry you're probably not having a great day, but it's interesting, the Pac-12. Here's why. Going to go through each team and whether or not there's a coach, head coach or coordinator on staff, who could be a candidate for that Auburn job. And for the most part, yeah, I know the answer is no, but there's a couple there's a couple to keep your eye on and then uh, even more with that. So I'm going to go geographically here, just kind of top to bottom. I thought that'd be a good random way to do it. So Washington State, nope. Washington, nope. Oregon State, not going to happen. I mean, in theory, in, in theory, Jonathan Smith actually would be a candidate for this sort of job. Two things at play that are leading that not to be the case. Number one, the number of times the SEC comes to the Pac-12 for a head coach, it's not very often. They came and got Mike Leach, but he went to Mississippi State. I think Auburn's a little bit of a better job, though I'd argue they're, they're somewhat comparable. Auburn's had more success, but it, you know, overall, I think they're on, uh, on somewhat similar footing as, as programs. However, Jonathan Smith has no ties to the South. He, in fact, has ties to, wait for it, Oregon State, where he was a player. Kind of feels like a lifer, doesn't he? It seems like the sort of situation where Smith is not going to leave unless Oregon State asks him to. I don't think there's any worry there whatsoever. Stanford and Cal, what's a number less than zero? You pick it. That's the percent chance that anyone from the SEC would want anyone from those particular staffs, which are um, not looking very good at the moment. Colorado, Arizona State, they don't even have coaches, but uh, more on them is coming a little bit later in the show. Utah, nah, I don't see it. Kyle Weddingham's a great coach. He, again, feels like a lifer. He's got that contract situated to where he is uh, you know, set up to be in a particular role once he decides not be the head coach with Utah and still make something like a million a year, which you know he deserves because he's been so fantastic. I don't think either of their coordinators are going to be in the running. No ties down south. Yeah, I don't see it there either. USC, no. Lincoln Riley's not going anywhere. Alex Grinch could one day maybe be a head coaching candidate, but uh, you know, right now that's certainly not the case. Yeah. 
Spencer, you skipped a couple schools. Oh, did I? Did I uh, miss another school in LA and uh, gloss right over another another uh, school in the Pacific Northwest? Why, yes. Yes, I did. That's because, as they say, I saved the best part for last. So, this was a suggestion I initially saw from Josh Pate, who I like a lot. I think Pate's really smart. I think he gets it. He loves college football. I like his show. I think he's usually smart. I think he's dead wrong here. When Brian Harson was fired, he threw out three names to look for on Twitter. Lane Kiffin, agree. Hugh Freeze, agree. I don't know why Kiffin would want to go from Ole Miss to Auburn, but different conversation. And the third one he threw out was Chip Kelly. Let me tell you why that wouldn't work. The situation at Auburn manifested itself in such a way that the Auburn boosters never actually wanted Brian Harson, And he didn't get along with them very well. And from what I've been able to discern and what I understand, he was not one of those guys who wants to suck up to the boosters, who wants to play the games about raising money and, you know, the alumni. He just wasn't into that sort of thing the way that other coaches are. And not every coach is. And Chip Kelly, who when he came back down from the NFL to college, was uh, between the UCLA and, and the Florida job, which I find to be interesting. I'm not saying he couldn't have had success at Florida, but he knows the Pac-12 very well. He knows the Pac-12 footprint very well. But the biggest reason I don't think that Chip Kelly would make sense at Auburn or any SEC school is not because he isn't a good X's and O's coach, but because down there, it just means more. I'm sorry, everybody. It does. And I say that as a lifelong Pac-12 fan. It does just mean more in the South. And they want coaches who can do that sort of stuff. And if you aren't going to play nice with the alumni and the boosters and recruit really hard, then you have to win at a high, high level. And though I think Chip is still a good coach, and we're seeing that play out this year, UCLA sitting at 7-1, at and one, I don't think he'd be able to win at a level sufficient enough to where the people involved with those sorts of programs would just overlook it. And then there's the recruiting factor. And Chip Kelly, since he's been at UCLA, back to his time at Oregon, it's been made very clear. Number one, He's not always the most personable guy in the world. But number two, he doesn't really like recruiting. That's why he wanted to go to the NFL, at least part of the reason, right? Some coaches go because they want to test their chops. They want to see how good they are and how good they can be. But another reason that some coaches do that is they don't want to recruit because it's hard. It's grueling. It's a 24-7, 365 process. And it's not for everybody. And to win in the SEC, you have to be able to recruit. Sure, you have a access to a better baseline amount of talent just in the region, right? Georgia's got some good players. You're really close to Texas, Florida. There are a lot of recruiting hotbeds down south. There are a lot of great players down south. But you're going up against other schools that are recruiting at a high, high level. And in the Pac-12, there are two teams, and one of them hasn't been really until this year going at a top 10 level that can recruit nationally. 
against those sorts of programs, and that's USC and Oregon. The Trojans haven't been doing it for long. Now with Lincoln Riley, they can. Malachi Nelson, Zach Branch, whole host of other guys they're going after. Big-time targets. Expectations there, top 10 recruiting classes. Oregon, same deal. You got to be in and around the top 10. Everybody else in the Pac-12, if they get inside the top 20, that's going to be one of the better recruiting classes they put on. Maybe Washington could get in there, but they've been having more talent leave the state that 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 are, that are high-level prospects. They've been having that happen a lot. Reversing that trend is tough because the Alabamas and Clemsons and Ohio States and Georgias of the world are coming out west to get the best players that are there. I'll tell you more about uh, Chip Kelly in, in just a moment. But this week's thrilling moment in college football in the Pac-12 is brought to you by Nissan. The thrilling designs behind the new lineup from Nissan are intended to empower drivers in vehicles as capable as the driver themselves. When I think of unbelievable abilities on the field for this week's thrilling moment, it has to be the off-field moment that was the lead on my show yesterday. Oregon State in the top 25 for the first time since 2013. It's been almost a decade. And I know it's not a thrilling play, but is it a thrilling moment? You bet your rear end it is. Almost a decade-long drought. Jonathan Smith ended for that program. You can't undersell how big that is or how much work went into it. That is why it is this week's thrilling moment brought to you by Nissan with all their thrilling new designs featured across Nissan's new lineup of vehicles. Pursue what thrills you in the all-new Frontier, Armada, or Pathfinder today. Available now at NissanUSA.com. So the thing with Chip is if, if you can't, right, he's not known as a recruiter. And even if you have access to more talent, Sure, he might be able to do some things, though he's got quite a bit of talent right now at, at UCLA. We'll see how he builds it going forward. I don't think in the SEC you can solely rely on recruiting because his game so far and why he's had success the last couple of years, yeah, there have been a couple of, uh, of recruits, right? DTR was a recruit, a couple offensive linemen, players here and there, but Jake Bobo, transfer. Zach Charbonnet, who is so good, is a transfer. And that's where they've made their money. I don't think you can go in to the SEC. I don't even think USC's formula right now of this one-year turnaround with the transfer portal, I don't even know if you can do that there. Because though you can bring in a lot of talent via the portal, can you bring in enough to go toe-to-toe with those rosters? I don't think so. So bottom line, I, I just don't see Chip as being an option there. He's had his success on the West Coast. It's where he spent you know, all of his time as a college coach. And they kind of just did that, right? Auburn just brought in a coach from the West Coast and it felt like it wasn't quite a fit. And, you know, they they just did not, they they never really liked him. They never wanted him. The boosters and the fan and some of the fans and alumni down there never felt like that was the right hire. And if they hired Chip Kelly, I think it'd be the same thing. They'd say, why are we, why are we bringing a West Coast guy? We're in the SEC. Why are we not looking around to other SEC coaches and coordinators? That's where we're, we should be eyeballing. So I don't think Chip is uh, there. So let's get to the most interesting options for this particular job. Dan Lanning at Oregon. Now, he doesn't have any specific ties to Auburn, but he does have a background in the SEC. Had a successful run at Georgia 
And it's very reasonable to ask the question. The answer to me is, I don't think so, because Lanning hasn't been a head coach in the SEC. And the options that I've heard get thrown around for for this job for Auburn, and I mean, is it speculative at this point? Sure, a little bit. But they're going to go after Lane Kiffin. They'll probably go after Hugh Freeze, who is winning games at Liberty. I'm pretty sure they're in the top 25 at Liberty. Go figure. I think Bill O'Brien is someone who will get a look from him. The Alabama offensive coordinator, former Penn State head coach, I think they'd be okay with that. But to me, because the West Coast, even though Lanning and Kenny Dillingham, who we'll get to in a moment, have ties to the South in the SEC, I still just think the optics for some of those alumni and boosters, I mean, they never wanted Harson, even though he was successful at Boise State, taking over for Chris Peterson. Was he as successful as Peterson was? No. But was he a good coach there? Yeah, he won a lot of football games. And they were opposed to that from the get-go. And I feel, at least right now, while Lanning and Dillingham are navigating their first year, my sense is that Auburn fans and alumni and, and donors and such would have that same baseline opposition of, no, I don't want anyone west of the Mississippi River. I don't think they want to go for that at all. And... Another thing that's worthy of note is, you know, the Ducks are having a lot of success right now. They're the betting favorites in the Pac-12 to to win the conference championship. They're the only undefeated team in conference play. They'll probably remain that way this week because they play Colorado. They're like 31-point road favorites and such. Shouldn't have any problems there. But it's been a year. Not, not even a full year. And the other thing specific to landing is he's a defensive coach, and Oregon's defense has made some improvements. You kind of have to read between the lines to see where those improvements have come from. But their defense is still a work in progress. The offense is what is carrying this team, and it's the offense that is the reason Oregon is 7-1 and one more than the defense. And that's where the Kenny Dillingham situation, I think, gets interesting. Because he was an offensive coordinator at Auburn in 2019. Now, the thing with Kenny Dillingham is he's really young. He is 32 years old. He is really, really young. But he came in, and he has made Oregon's offense significantly better from what it was a year ago in a number of ways. And Auburn doesn't feel like a situation where, you know, one of the reasons I I didn't think Dillingham would be necessarily a top target yet for Arizona State as their head coach is, with a scandal there and those, the state of the program, feels like they need a grown-up adult in the room who can be as much a CEO presence as he can a schematical upgrade. I don't think Auburn's in that situation. I think Auburn's in a situation where they would look at someone like Dillingham and say, boy, if he brings that offense to Auburn, we've got the bodies. I mean, they can still recruit. I'm pretty sure they have recruited at least at a respectable level the last couple of years they may feel that that's a situation where if you just get a better X's and O's guy, then things are going to start to move in the right direction. Dillingham is a recruiter. Pretty good so far. He's got Dante Moore and some other nice pieces on the offensive side of the ball for Oregon, but it's a relatively small sample size. Dillingham is a head coach. We'd obviously have no idea he's never been a head coach. This is the first time he's only been uh, even a play caller. So 
I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility because Oregon's offense has been so good since that Georgia game, 40-plus points in seven straight games. They'll probably make it eight uh, this week against Colorado. They have been very impressive, so he'll get that sort of attention. But it's also reminiscent of a time where Gus Malzahn was the head coach, and Auburn fans didn't look at that as glowingly as as I did from afar, where I thought Gus Malzahn was a good coach. And Dillingham wasn't the play caller, but he was the OC. It was the last time they they had a good season. They went nine and four in 2019 when Dillingham was there. So maybe he'd have that sort of appeal. But to me, it feels like they're going to look at Lane Kiffin and Hugh Freeze. I, I think those are going to be the top options. And I don't think either one is is a bad hire. I don't. I really don't know. I really don't know if Kiffin would go there. He's got a good thing going at Ole Miss. I mean, they win a lot of football games. They can get good players. They score a lot of points. I don't know why he'd want to go to Auburn for a rebuild. I mean, you get a chance at, at Saban coaching the uh, the Rebels the same way. I mean, it's not the exact same, of course, because it's not a rivalry game. But I don't know. I, I, I would not take the Auburn job needing to rebuild it a little if I were at Ole Miss and I already built something successfully, I don't think there's that big of a gap, but Hugh freeze. Yeah. Hugh freeze would, uh, would definitely be an option there. There's some other candidates as well, but I, I think Dillingham is the only guy who'd get a serious look in the PAC 12 from Auburn. And would they actually give it to him? Be a little bit of a risk. It's a small sample size, but it's an impressive sample size. I lean towards no. I'd say probably about 80% they wouldn't give him a serious consideration. One other thing is someone I know who, um, I'll just tell you, Zach Blackerby at uh, Locked on Auburn, who does a phenomenal job. Early sense is that Dillingham is not a leading candidate. That can change a lot of time between now and then and whenever they have to make that hire, right? doesn't need to happen before the season ends. It'll happen after the season and such. But I, I think that that's... I think that's something that that could evolve a little, but I suspect if Dillingham gets poached for a head coaching position, I think it'd be more likely that Arizona State hires him than than Auburn does. There's more fallout that could come in the Pac-12 with with this Brian Harson situation, because Brian Harson is out, and I'm sure he still wants to coach football. And there are two teams in the Pac-12 that, <laughs> well, what do you know? Don't have head coaches right now. So for Arizona State in Colorado, is Brian Harson a candidate? And who Auburn hires? Is it going to take from their potential pool of candidates? Talk about that after I tell you about Sweatblock. This is a real customer review from someone who used a wonderful product made by a doctor to fix his own sweating and body odor issues. Mike, who is a Vegas resort concierge, was sweating, it's a fun word to say, sweating through his suit coat on the job in less than an hour. Yikes. Not anymore, thanks to Sweatblock. Sweatblock wipes are a must-have for everyone's toiletry bag, whether it's a big presentation or a hot date, everyone can benefit. If you or someone you love is experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor, try Sweatblock. Save 20% with promo code locked on at sweatblock.com. Also available on Amazon.
So two angles to look at this for for, for the Pac-12 and Arizona State, Colorado specifically. First, the candidates who who might have some crossover appeal here. I think there's only a couple. Now, Matt Rule is someone that Auburn, if they're smart, they call and see if they can get him, if he'd be interested. I don't know if he would be. I don't know if he'd be interested in the Arizona State or Colorado jobs. But he was at Baylor. And let's not pretend that Baylor has some rich tradition or branding that is just miles and miles and eons beyond Arizona State or Colorado. I mean, Colorado's been bad for the last, you know, 15 years or so. But look at the history of those two football programs. Comparable at least, right? Baylor's certainly way ahead in the last decade plus. But, I mean, if you're Matt Rule and you're currently unemployed, you take any Power 5 job over no Power 5 job. So if Auburn goes there, it would take him out of the running. We've talked with Richie Bradshaw here on the show about how that's his top option. That'd be my top option if I were ASU, if I could get him to come to Tempe, even if you know it's temporary, right? I don't think either Colorado or Arizona State necessarily need to find someone who is going to be a lifer. I think you need someone who can come in and make your program respectable again, who can who can win you some football games, maybe get to a good bowl game and put on a good show and make your school and your football program more attractive because right now, they just don't have anything going for him. So that that's one that's one potential option. Deion Sanders, I've seen that get thrown out there. Again, I don't know if Colorado or ASU are at the top of his list. However, if he's not able to find the Power 5 job he wants, does he want to stay at Jackson State or does he want to one day coach high-level Division One football? I don't know. I don't know. They have great crowds. He's got a great thing going at Jackson State. But eventually, kind of seems like he's destined to go to the Power 5 level. But if he could have, if he came into Colorado or ASU and won seven to nine games a year for three years and then left for the Florida State job, because Mike Norvell continues to you know, get a little bit of, of a longer leash as he starts to win some games, would you take that if you're ASU or Colorado? I would. I don't think that that's that ridiculous. I don't think it's ridiculous at all. Same thing applies, by the way, to another guy who I mentioned earlier might be in the running, Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien, if he gets the Auburn job, that takes him out of the mix for ASU and and Colorado, and I don't and that that's that's the exact same situation. I don't think you'd keep him around for a decade, but if you brought him in for three to four years, he had a really successful run and reestablished your credibility on the recruiting trail and in coaching circles to where it's seen as a more desirable job. I think you have to take that if you're ASU or Colorado. So what happens here at Auburn going forward, as strange as it may sound, may have ramifications for the Pac-12 coaching carousel. Because if you take one of those candidates out, does that make it more or less likely that Colorado or ASU could go for one of the other ones who I've mentioned or who I've talked about here on the show? It's really, really fascinating. All this stuff is so interconnected. I love a good coaching search. There's so many different directions you could go. Here's uh, here's another idea with regards to Brian Harson. Hmm. Here's another idea. He was at Boise State. It's in the western part of the United States. He was successful there. He went down south and he was facing an administration that wanted him. 
but a fan base and alumni and donor base that really didn't. And he was not at one of the premier brands in, in the SEC. And you got a lot of great coaches and a lot of great teams in the SEC. You got Georgia, you got Bama, now you have Tennessee. There's a lot of solid programs there. Is it ridiculous to suggest that either ASU or Colorado should go hire Brian Harson? Yeah, it doesn't seem like a great notion right now, does it? Because like, oh man, he went 9-12 and 12 in two years at Auburn. Yeah? Yeah, he did. He didn't have a lot of success at Auburn. Had a lot of success at Boise State. We all know it's a different brand of football out here. This is not the SEC. Just because Brian Harson didn't work at Auburn, I don't think it all means that he could not work at either of those two job openings in the Pac-12. Think about it like this if you think I'm wrong. If he had never gone to Auburn and had stayed at Boise State and kept winning games there, how would you feel about him then? Would you have a flashback to Chris Peterson? What about Chris Peterson? Man, he was great coming out of Boise State for Washington. Got them to the college football playoff. Maybe this guy isn't Peterson, but if you can win at Boise, you just, you just need a little bit more, right? Got to be in a bigger TV market. You got to have more access to high-level recruits and players and such. If he had never taken that Auburn job, and the Tigers administration, Auburn that is, never should have offered it to him, never felt like it was the right hire. If Brian Harson had stayed there, his name would be at the top of the list and in the top of the minds of Pac-12 fans everywhere for either of these two job openings. I'm not promising you he'd be a world beater. I'm just saying that this experience at Auburn is tarnishing his reputation in the eyes of many, but he won out West. And it's not as hard to win in the Pac-12 as it is in the SEC. If I'm Arizona State or if I'm Colorado, I 100% give Brian Harson a look because I don't think he's an incompetent coach. I just think it wasn't a great fit down at Auburn. Was he Chris Peterson at Boise? No. You know how many Chris Petersons there are in the world? One. There's just one. <laughs> and Brian Harson won a lot of football games, and typically that's something Boise State does. But Andy Avalos has struggled the last couple of years, more so than Harson did. I think you have to consider it. If you were Colorado or Arizona State, I think he could fit at either one and have some success. Love talking coaching sale. Closing today with uh, just a little bit of transfer portal news across the Pac-12. Oregon running back wide receiver, uh, sophomore Seven McGee is in the transfer portal. He was a running back. He converted to receiver. Wasn't able to find a role in the offense. Now he's in the portal. He's going elsewhere. He's from New York originally. He can be a good football player. He's got good speed, solid hands. He runs hard. He's kind of a gadget guy, you know, fly sweep, screens, tosses, toss sweeps. That's where he can really thrive. I just wanted to share a couple interesting notes because I think there are a couple destinations in the Pac-12 where he could do really well. I think he could succeed at any Pac-12 school. He could have succeeded at Oregon. They just have enough talent on the roster where he wouldn't see the field. Right? If he went to Washington, I don't think he'd play there. I don't think he'd play at USC. But I tell you the three schools, and these are in no particular order, but they should all be trying to stop Seven McGee from going back to the East Coast where he's from and keep him out West. 
First one I'll mention is Washington State. You need playmakers. Put them back at the running back position. They haven't been able to run the ball. Use them however you want. They use the screen game a lot in their offense, and that's where Seven McGee can thrive. So I think Washington State should definitely be after him. Another one. Whenever I don't know what the timeline is for when he's going to make this decision, so this is contingent upon that. Colorado. If you are Colorado, and actually I've got four, I've got four schools that the, that should be after him. If you're Colorado, whoever you hire, whenever you get the staff there, Seven McGee is in the transfer portal because he wants playing time. You know what you could promise him at Colorado? Playing time, touches, and he'd be one of your better offensive players. I think that's a team. I think you look at Cal that always needs offensive weapons, always needs more guys. They've actually got some nice skill pieces this year, but I think if you added Seven McGee into that offense, it would present a threat they don't currently have, which is a fly sweep, quick screen, get the ball in space. He can be a return specialist as well. I think that's an option. And then the other one where I think there'd be a fit is Arizona. I like what Jed Fish is doing offensively. And he knows how to get the ball to more than one guy. And their running back room is, eh, you know, it's just okay. I think he could fit into that offense really, really well. He might end up going back home, playing on the East Coast. But if I'm any of those Pac-12 schools, heck, if I'm Oregon State, I would give him a look. But I don't think they, they have quite as much of a need or or, or role for him. And, it, you know, what he presents skill-wise doesn't fit perfectly into that offense. So may, maybe not, but uh, sure, you'd give it a consideration. But Washington State, Cal, Colorado, Arizona, I'd go try and get Seven McGee out of the transfer portal and see if he could come help your football team. Appreciate everyone listening. See you next time. Have a wonderful rest of your day.